if I look at anyone that I've seen go through the transformations, it's they eventually get to that place. And I think it is really a, a structure of like place of disappointment or a place where there's some sort of suffering to a place where they find their power to a place where it becomes just an aspect of who they are as mm -hmm. a person. John has been helping men and women lose fat, lose weight, tone up, and feel more confident about their body and their lives for the past 16 years. With a dual degree in exercise science and psychology from Rutgers University, along with 15 and counting personal training certifications ranging from National Academy of Sports Medicine to pre- and postnatal training and certified strength and conditioning specializations, he can help you achieve your goals. I'm Paul Keen, and welcome to episode two of the Transformations Podcast. This podcast is about possibilities, and I'm someone who changed my life to explore those possibilities. The world tells us to be one way, but what if our hearts are calling us to do another? Today, we'll hear from a dear friend of mine, John, John Leva. He's got an incredible insight that helped me, and hopefully it will help you. But before we get into the conversation, hit subscribe, drop a comment, let me know how you're feeling about the show. Your simple act of participation helps other people find what they're looking for. So let's head on over and talk to John. John, hey, thanks for joining me today. Paul, thanks for having me. So we've known each other a long time now. Yeah, I can't even tell you how many years, at least six I, probably, right? 2012, 2013, somewhere yeah, in that neighborhood. Like that. Um, first of all, I'm honored that you're here. I've wanted to, with this program, highlight people who are going through change and transition, but mm. also people who are practitioners. And I think you fit both columns. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, what's always really intrigued me about you in particular are, is your approach. You know, you have that dual degree in exercise science and in psychology. Things like, you know, mindset and self-acceptance and, you know, thinking about your deep whys, why you approach body transformation. You know, that's always seemed to me to be like part and parcel of the course. Mm -hmm. uh, I think when we first got together, you know, you were going through things like, uh, you know, we just did exercise, but at the same time, you know, you've, you're not just kind of the average trainer. And when you built something called the creator's course, all of that was baked in. So I'm wondering your approach to physical transformation has a lot to do with mental transformation. Mm -hmm. Why, why did you, why did you start with that? I feel like a lot of people approach exercise as <clears throat> they need and desire to fix, um, some part of their body. And if they fix some part of their body, their life will be better. But I think overall, um, a big problem with a lot of people trying to make that, that physical change is they don't have the, the mindset or the mentality to help them maintain any changes they do see long-term. And I think that's a, that's a problem that is baked into all of us when it comes to any type of change, but especially physical transformations. Right. So do you see that this is endemic to almost all the clients that you deal with? I think a good chunk of clients that I see, I would say at least 70, 80%. Yes. I think some people are, have, have tried other systems and they've, they've tried and failed and they've come to realizations that 
it's not going to be as easy as a two-week fix. Um, and I think that that difference in coming at it from a long-term perspective as opposed to a short-term fix is makes a big difference. This is what I'm really naturally curious about. You know, so many people seem to come to a physical transformation from, you know, a place of, oh God, I really got to get this done. I'm, I'm out of shape. They have some sort of moment. Mm -hmm. How many people when they're looking for their whys, you know, to do something, to really, you know, push them towards doing something, have even thought about like the men's mental transformative aspects or is that something that you find that people have thought about? I think some people definitely come at it with a definitive why. Sometimes uh, they have just more time in their life and it's something that's been on the back burner and now they have this more this extra time where they are able to explore that. But sometimes it's they took a photo or they were playing with their kids and they felt out of shape and they started to worry about something. So something deep deeply endemic in them comes up and they're like, I need to make this change. But for those who don't, uh, I, I think they tend to fall out a lot quicker. I think needing a why isn't necessary at the beginning because you can build a why. And oftentimes why someone starts something is not why they continue it long-term. So they might have seen a picture um, where they didn't like how they looked and then after a couple months of working out, they like actually how they feel and they haven't changed how they look, but they feel healthier. They have more energy. They have more spunk for life. And that continues their why. And it changes and sh shifts and sh changes over time. So, yeah. yeah. And look, I've noticed it in myself. You know, I, when I first came to you and I decided I'm going to lose all this weight and we didn't have kids yet, you know, I was coming from a place that I, I have a quote from you here but I couldn't hate or anger my way towards self-acceptance. Anger is easy, it's energizing. It gives me the energy to start a change, but it definitely doesn't give me the energy to finish a change. Eventually I get worn down. Honestly, that's where I'm at right now. I mean, I'm coming at this from, I had a why way back when I had broken my, my knee. I had uh, missed out on a friend's birthday party because I was just feeling so awful. Something hit me one day and I just like had to go home. And I was like, I don't ever want to be that way again. But part of my motivation was, you know, I want to go and be at my 20th high school reunion and like show those bastards, you mm. know, but I never got there because I mean, frankly, I didn't want to go and we were <laughs> traveling and that was another story. Uh, but that being said, like my why has completely changed, you know, and in fact, it's even part of this program is to come back in touch with the, a new why, mm -hmm. you know, one that, that I've now got the benefit of a bit of time reflect and understand that while that may have motivated me then, it's not what's going to motivate me now. And I think the most interesting part of your quote here is, you know, when you say, I eventually I got worn down, mm -hmm. you know, I, I'm sitting in a place now where I wonder, you know, will I be less worn down if I have like a better why? Yeah. So the way I, I view change in general and I tend to be very visual, so when it comes to how I see things, sometimes it's hard to explain it because I see it all as one huge snapshot. Um, so to explain how I see change, it's it, I think anger is one spark of motivation, and that that can help someone get started. But I think if you look at at change and what helps people continue. I think there's different levels, different realms. So like anger or like disappointment 
tend to be too lower rung wise that a lot of people start with. Um, and I think it's not necessarily a bad part, but that's they're in a place of somewhat suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the next phase, if they're if they're going to shift their why, if they're going to raise their 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 power a little bit, comes to a, a point where they take that anger and they turn it into something that's that's habitual. Whether they take the disappointment of not being where they want to be or anger about something. And they turn into something constructive. And that's where a lot of people go in fitness. And that's where they tend to really become a zealot for like a specific type of exercise. So like if they were disappointed in something and they do CrossFit and then all of a sudden CrossFit becomes this this savior of theirs Mm -hmm. Um, or they they do kickboxing and that becomes their savior. So like or yoga, it, it. doesn't matter what the specific is but i think a lot of people go from there um and find a community that they can join which is which is really good um but i think there's a there's a next level where it's more self-acceptance um Mm -hmm. and if you can get to that last point it's it's having confidence in who you are while still being playful with life itself and that's where the habits really solidify and and you still have the why, but it's such a deep endemic part of you mm-hmm. that you're no longer looking to be fueled by the anger or the disappointment and you don't necessarily need the community, although it's nice and what it, it helps helps you stay with it. Um, but it just becomes an, an aspect of sort of who you are. And when you get to that point, I think that's when the habits become if you become more consistent, it's when you can fall off and enjoy a weekend and and not beat yourself up about it, but mm-hmm. not stay off the track for, for two weeks because you had a, a weekend where you indulged. And I think that that's where the goal of, of all the training is to get people there, a place where they sort of accept themselves and it becomes a part of who they are. Right. Um, a bit of a, a bit of a personal question, but I'm curious, you know, was there kind of your own transformative moment as, or, or even just any kind of insight that, that you had while you were younger through, through working through personal stuff that, that was the foundation of this approach? I mean, it's, it's not your average trainer that thinks about these kinds of things and says, oh man, you know, I really need to, you know, think about multiple levels of, of how people can not only get through their shit, but also get through you know, becoming a, a more fit and healthy human being. Cause you've got multiple layers of like physical and mental, you know, stuff to break through. I think a, lo- a lot of what I just said was through my own personal stuff. So I, I started working out when I was young um, because I was really skinny and it, w- it wasn't a good thing um, for the sports I played. And that was the motivation. It was an external source of motivation. And then when I got older, it was, I got more attention from women. So I was like, okay, this is, this is good. That's my community. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But as, as those reasons started to fade away, it was, what was I left with? And it was, Mm -hmm. it was, I now do it because I enjoy it, right? Like mm-hmm. I don't follow a structured workout program as rigidly as I did when I was younger, but I enjoy it a lot more and I'm a lot more consistent with it. And if I look at 
anyone that I've seen go through the transformations, it's they eventually get to that place. And I think it is really a, a structure of like place of disappointment or a place where there's some sort of suffering to a place where they find their power to a place where it becomes just an aspect of who they are as mm -hmm. a person. Um, and so that's a common progression. I, I, I see it pretty, pretty consistently. Um, hmm. how, now how I'm not saying, I'm not saying you have to start in suffering, but so if you start in a place of like community and stuff like that, the next progression is still like becoming an aspect of who you are. Right. Right. How many of us actually get there? Um, that's, I, I couldn't even give you a percentage of that. Um, from personal per opinions or like research? No, I'm just curious, you know, when you, when you work with folks, do you find, you know, I mean, look, there, there are people who come and go, there are people that stay over a long period of time. Do you, do you note that progression pretty, pretty regularly? I, I, I think it's become such a subconscious thing that it's one of the few things that I haven't put down on paper for people. Like when I train new trainers, I, I list out a couple hundred exercises to show them. I, I teach them how to do nutrition coaching and all of that. And so it's always been something that I track a little bit more, but the mental progression it's just something I, I tend to to feel and see over time. Um, I guess what uh, one thing I, I, I found also really interesting, and I like this quote from you, it was, and every good story is basically the same. When you accept yourself, that's when you can handle whatever life throws at you, the good, the bad, the ugly, but it all starts with accepting yourself. In other words, you can't hate yourself into being happy. I really like that one. It just seemed so intuitive, like, yeah, of course you can't hate yourself into being happy. Yeah. You just can't. So accepting yourself starts with moving past your fears, those unspeakable fears that hold us in its grip for years and can hold us in its grips for our whole lives if we let it. You know, that's, that's pretty powerful stuff. Thanks. <laughs> um, I, I, I think a lot of people try so yeah, they, they're disappointed and angry. And so they, they hate their body so much that they, they try to make these changes. And when they, when those changes inevitably fail at some point, right? Like you're going to make a mistake at some point, not necessarily fail, but definitely make a mistake. Um, and especially in the way you're someone in that mind says gauging what a mm -hmm. mistake is, right? Like having, couple beers when hey it could, have been, it could have been anything yeah, right it, it could, could be, be anything like, that they man make i up. totally blew it this weekend i mean look we are in hoboken new jersey yeah, yeah you know i went out to the bar super late blah 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 any one of the above exactly um and and then they're disappointed with themselves and they hate themselves even more and they they try to double down and then they make another mistake because again they're human um it becomes this this very tough cycle of mistake, hate, mistake, hate. Um, right. and I think if they can break that by accepting that they're going to be fallible, then there becomes much easier to make changes. Right. Right. So that's something I actually want to delve into real quick, maybe not so quickly, but you know, you, you often refer to those things as mindsets, you know, mm -hmm. I would call them beliefs, but you know, they, they take the form of 
I'm a fuck up. I've got no self-control. Oh, I am who I am. Or what's the point? Why am I even doing this? Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times these are those, those super subconscious thoughts that are, they're, they're almost dangerous. They're like little ninjas. Yep. You know, they come and they kick your ass and they make you feel like shit and they can derail you entirely from moving forward. You know, how do you, how do you think about getting people to even just kind of have even the awareness that that's like coming into their, into their consciousness and stopping them from moving forward? Um, I try to reframe a lot of things. I think a lot of the beliefs mindsets that we have are things that we've heard or we've believed forever so that I think one of the most powerful things is to reframe a situation, right? Um, so if someone, like when it comes to drinking alcohol, especially in, in this town, a lot of people see it, especially if they party a lot, as something that they're giving up, something that they're is t being taken away from them. Whereas I try to reframe it as, have you ever felt fucking amazing, right? Like if, mm. if you want to feel fucking amazing all the time, like cut out alcohol for six weeks and just give it an experiment, right? Um, and you're not looking at it from something you're giving up, but something you're gaining from mm. from making that change. Um, and I'm not saying you have to not drink, but I'm saying like limiting it can definitely make you feel a lot better. You can wake up with more energy. You, you have, uh, your sleep is better. You can better control your eating. It affects literally everything in your life. And if you're gonna make that change, I think a, a large part is reframing how you see getting rid of something that you might want either because it acts as a social lubricant or because you've been doing it so, for so often you've never even thought about it as another way to look at it. So right. I think reframing a lot of those mindsets, it, it has to, not has to, but it, it can help with making those changes. Right, right. Do you find that the kind of self-acceptance that's necessary, is that something that most people are even aware how to do? I, th I think all self-acceptance is an experiment. Um, and it it literally comes uh, through experiments. You can't build self-acceptance by reading or watching a book or something like that. It has to come through. You can be inspired by something like that, but then you have to go out there and take actions. And it's, it's how those actions make you feel that I think really gets to the core of self-acceptance because if – you never get to that point of experiencing it and you just constantly think about it, then you're not doing what you need to do because the big fear is not only do we build up the fears in our head before we do it, but it's it's actually going out there and facing those fears, wherever they are, right? Cooking something that you've never cooked before to not going out, spending time in a bar with friends and not drinking, those can be very s scary for a lot of people. And if, if you don't accept yourself in that, that realm, um, then the thought experiment sort of isn't going to do it for you. Right. Right. Cause this stuff is hard. Yeah, it really is. It's the fundamental, probably the hardest stuff that anyone has to deal with is changing the way that they do things. So our, one of our previous guests, Mel Schwartz, is a psychotherapist and marriage counselor. And he often talks about examining beliefs as, you know, he looks at them 
as, you know, if you can take that nanosecond before you have the thought, and then you can see the thought for what it is, that it's a thought and a belief, and then deconstruct that thought to say, well, why do I believe that? Oftentimes the whole thing falls apart under its own weight because it actually doesn't have any basis in reality. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I could think about cooking and someone has some fears about that. Well, they're probably unfounded because there's so many different things. You can even have no cook recipes. Mm. Or for example, people who think, well, I don't even belong in the gym. You know, yep. I, I, I wasn't a jock. I wasn't a, you fill it in here, athlete. I, 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 this is not a place for me. Mm -hmm. The question could be put in reverse. Well, you know, why shouldn't it be a place for you? Mm -hmm. You know, do you, maybe it's about going to the right one, you know, something along those lines. But the, the fundamental beliefs that people have are like a lot of series of assumptions mm -hmm. and then they completely inform your worldview in almost like a silent and nefarious way. Yeah. Yeah. There are a ton of beliefs that people have. The big one, especially when it comes to women is lifting weights will make me bulky. Um, and I think that has some basis in, in reality. I think a lot of our beliefs formed before we even realized that they were forming, right? Uh, the first time someone says something, when you were like eight years old, we have this belief, and even though it may have served us X, Y, Z years ago, it no longer serves us. So it started as something simple, and then as time has gone on, it definitely doesn't have a basis in reality. But I think what you said, um, examining the beliefs, I I think that's that's a core thing that, Mm -hmm. a lot of people should do is at least recognize that it's a belief and not necessarily a fact. Right. Right. Um, and then once you get to that point, you can start to explore, like, is it, is it true? Um, is it truth still? Right. It might be mm -hmm. like walking the street might be dangerous when you're young, especially when you're like five, six year old, six years old, but like riding a bike, can still be somewhat dangerous, but you can get over that fear. So it, it depends on what the fear is and sort of, is it still serving a purpose in your life now and re-examining that? Right. Now I would definitely recommend people to, you know, start to develop that capacity to see the thoughts. You know, a lot of times for me, it comes in the form of, you know, wanting to know something that's not knowable. You know, look, you and yeah. I've had a lot mm -hmm. of times where, and you're smiling now, which is I've asked you a ton of questions about things which were ultimately not knowable, <laughs> but I asked the question still, and I probably will still ask some of those questions because, um, they're no, fun thought experiments, they're fun thought experiments, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's difficult to, to, um, get past them because that's the nature of human humanity and, and, and human change. Um, another big thing that we've talked a lot about over time is, the interplay of habits mm -hmm. to everyday life and success. And I'm defining success here as like adherence to a program. Mm -hmm. How do you find that habits play into beliefs and vice versa? You know, do you find that they, that they tend to feed on each other? Uh, absolutely. I think, I think a lot of people, and maybe you could define like good and bad habits just so we can maybe have a little bit of a basis for that. So when it comes to, so good habits, I, I would say are being physically active, walking more, right? Uh, drinking more water, getting seven to nine hours of sleep a night, um, eating a couple of servings of vegetables at every meal, 
some those habits no one should have a, a problem with um i think if you just do that limited al- alcohol to four drinks per week um and again like 80 20 rule here you don't have to be perfect but if you can get 80 percent of those habits down i think you'll be in a very good place health wise and and then your specific goals when it comes to fitness can really be centered around that. How do you see habits playing into beliefs and maybe feeding on each other? Oh, so a big belief um, that people have is I need to be motivated to work out, um, which is nonsense when you think about it, because most of the things that we do in our lives, <laughs> we're not motivated to do, right? Like a we, lot of people you are go not to work motivated. every day. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people are not motivated to go to work. Sure, there's money, there's a reward, but that's not waking you up in the morning telling you to go. Um, same thing with with working out. Um, I think the more you do it, the easier it becomes. So, um, but with work, it's a, it's a fairly common belief that like you go to work even if you don't want to. But it's not a fairly common belief that you go to the gym even if you don't want to. Um, and I think that's where taking action, the, you build the momentum to create that long-term belief with exercise. So if you go when you don't want to and you continue going, it just becomes something that you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't overanalyze it. You don't think about it. You don't require the motivation. Some days you feel like crap. Some days are just, uh, and some days you feel amazing. Um, and you you start to recognize that's just what working out long-term does. It, some days are going to be great. Some days are not going to be great, but you just go. Um, yeah. You've, you've often said, you know, sometimes you're going to have a great workout. Some days you're going to have just, you're going to go do one thing Yeah, and that's it. And you can say, you throw in the towel, I'm done. But yeah. the, the point is to, to build the muscle of going, yep. not the, the actual muscle, but the proverbial muscle. Yep. And I, 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 I think that momentum is much more powerful than motivation. So when it comes to taking the actions to build the habits and and how that alters your beliefs, I think they go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. So what do you think are some core habits that you try to develop? I mean, aside from the, you know, the super table stakes ones, and I know you don't like to make any of this stuff complicated because mm-hmm. it's actually, it's part of the reason why I leave the, the, the what for the end. Mm-hmm is that a lot of the stuff that you've ever told me is really rather straightforward, mm-hmm. you know, but what are those kind of foundational habits, uh, uh, you know, that you really try to build in, build for people? For a lot of people, I'm looking for one of their keystone habits. So a keystone habit is one thing that affects the other habits. So like for some people going to the gym will make them eat healthier. Mm-hmm. Um, for other people going to the gym makes them eat worse because <laughs> <laughs> so it depends on what some people, if they go to the gym and they're working out, that becomes their keystone habit to eat healthy and to go to sleep and and not drink because that becomes they dislike it so much that they're like if i'm gonna do this then i better make it worth it for other things for Mm -hmm. other people they need to start with the eating and they're like if i eat healthy then i feel good i'm gonna go to the gym and so they they find eating healthier is the harder things and because they're eating healthy, they're like, I'm going to go work out. I'm not going to drink. I'm going to go to bed earlier. Um, and I think finding what 
what that keystone habit is for them is really the big thing. For some people, they need to work on their sleep, right? They they stay up too late or they they have trouble sleeping. So if we can find them a way to get more sleep or or more restive sleep, then they have more energy and they go to the gym and they start making better food choices. So it really depends. I think those four habits though, working out, eating right, sleeping more, drinking less, tend to be one of those four tend to be the keystone in making the other ones easier to actually take on. Um, so it's really about finding what that one is for you. Usually the keystone habit is the one you want to do the least. So if you're doing the thing that you hate the most, then the other things become much more easy for you. So this is one of those cases where actually doing the thing that you're weakest at Instead mm-hmm. of what you're best at is probably the advisable thing. It, yeah, um, but it, it, I think it comes down to not necessarily easy because some people were athletes, um, but they never liked the gym or or something like that. Um, it's the thing that they, it, it's the demon they have to s- sort of slay to sort of mm-hmm. get to the other things. But, right. Yeah. Right. So. I, I noted down kind of the framework that you had in the creators course. I mean, first it was with mindset. Then mm-hmm. you talked a bit around uh, shame and guilt. And for anybody who really wants a incredibly well thought through course, I highly recommend that you would reach out to John and, and, and go through the, the creators course as I did. Um, belonging and self-acceptance, love, self-compassion, uh, unconditional positive regard, accepting your fears, accepting yourself. I mean, one thing that I've um, really come to in my own journey is a understanding of how much you really do have to acknowledge the transformation is hard. Mm. You know, there are times that you're going to gain back weight and you're going to have other things come up in your life and you're going to have to have that unconditional positive regard for yourself. I've been fascinated your own journey in going to theater mm-hmm. and to uh, actually write a play, mm. dare I say a playwright. <laughs> uh, I know that you've done that for yourself. Um, tell me just a little bit about unconditional positive regard. You know, why, you know, I, I always came from a place where I felt like if I wasn't beating myself up, I wasn't going to get off the couch. Um, I, I, w- w- why is this so important? I, I do think that's a common belief. I think if, if we are not, I think that's an instilled belief either through our parents or through society. I'm not sure where it comes from, but, but is it right? But is it wrong? It, like, so, is it, is it what gets you off the couch, but not what keeps you off the couch? I think, I think, I think where it really comes from is schooling, right? We're taught to, we have to be good at every subject in school. Um, even subjects we really don't like doing. Um, and I think because of that, we are taught that like, Unless we're harder on ourselves, we're not going to do the things that we don't want to do. But as we become adults, it becomes far more important to find the things that truly gives us joy. Um, and and if we're not doing that, if we're if we're not moving towards something that that we can enjoy, then we we play with this old belief that we have, this old mindset that we have to beat ourselves up to to be. Become something good, right. um, 
Whether that be- But you can't anger yourself (laughs) to happiness. Yeah, and it, it goes right back to that. With unconditional positive regard, I think- if you can honestly say that you're doing the best you can in this moment, right? Um, when when you had a newborn, um, it's very hard to get enough sleep, no, ma- no matter the motivation. Even if you had the momentum to go to the gym, just finding the time, just finding the right. energy, especially if you, you have a bunch of F- other Finding an accepting going. spouse who's <laughs> yeah. going to say, okay, it's cool if you want to go down and see John for an hour and a half with travel time and everything else. Yeah, it's it's hard to find that time. So- there are times in your life where it may take a back burner and you can still recognize that you're doing the best you can um, and that you can get back on the ball at some other point. Um, And I think when people fall off the diet oftentimes or they overindulge in alcohol or something like that, they tend to beat themselves up. Oh, yeah. Um, and that, that is a uh, welcome, welcome to my life. And <laughs> if if you go back to the levels I was starting or saying earlier, the suffering, the power, the su- acceptance, um, I think that beating yourself out helps with the suffering uh, and the power, but it's not going to make you happy yeah. ever. Um, you'll you might actually make the changes. But once you get the changes, you're still not going to be happy. So the acceptance part, the unconditional positive regard is where you have the habits down pretty much. Um, And when you mess up, you're not being yourself up. So you're actually enjoying the food that you're overindulging in as opposed to like beating yourself up and and regretting it while you're doing it um, and not enjoying the process at all Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. or seeking an escape from one aspect um, and and then being yourself up because you escaped into food as an emotional way, right? right. So it, it becomes, I think, the the overall goal, the unconditional positive regard, stuff like that, because comes from a place of you accept yourself, you accept that you want to make changes, mm-hmm. and you're working towards that, but that you're not going to be perfect, and that you're also human, and there's more to life than like being perfect on your diet, right? Right. And that's kind of the thing that I've um, most recently come to in my own life. You know, David Brooks, who's a author and writer for the New York Times, he written the, recently wrote a book called The Second Mountain. Mm-hmm. And he talks about those kinds of people that you meet in your life. I mean, I found them, you know, hospice care or something like that. I mean, some people who live with difficult situations and yet they're joyful people, mm-hmm. you know, joy. He called it joy as an outlook mm-hmm. because a joy is a way of being. And you know, as, um, you know, in my, in my kind of previous frame of mind, I would have thought of that as kind of being airy fairy or whatever the case, but I thought to myself, well, no, that's not correct. I mean, I've often, as I said in the intro, you know, the world tells you to be one way, or at Mm -hmm. least you observe the world tells you to be one way, but your heart wants something else. It's really thinking around, you know, how do I release those, those more, uh, base, um, uh, castigations mm-hmm. that worked before and get myself hooked into something that is more aligned with my heart and what I want to do. So, you know, I've always loved coming to your training sessions. Mm-hmm. It's always been a time that we can talk and I love talking as <laughs> people could probably tell, uh, or the classes that you have done, you know, there's a nice community there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there is that slow transformation, but, you know, I don't think candidly where I've gotten to is, you know, I, I think a certain degree of Mm self-acceptance, you know, um, beating myself up still works. (laughs) Uh, but you know, aligning myself with, 
um, you know, something that resonates with my heart, but not with my head, Mm -hmm. you know, not listening to what my head thinks is a good idea, but rather what my heart thinks is a good idea. Because I think if you, if you follow that, uh, North star, you'll have a much better chance, at least as my hypothesis of actually, um, having it be the momentum that pushes you forward over a much longer period of time. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering that, do you, do you find that's true? Do you, I, yeah, I think one of the things I, Outside of the training, I think one of the things I I tell people all the time, I'm like, if you enjoy an activity, do it, right? There are times, there's in any change in any realm, there's going to be aspects of it that you don't necessarily like and where you might, the tough love might actually be somewhat beneficial. Um, Like, look, I'm a believer that there's a shit sandwich in everything, you know, it's going to, look, when you're doing that fourth set of, you know, TRX rows and you're pumping it out. You're like, I want to die. Mm -hmm. Um, It's going to be hard. Yeah. It's not meant to be easy. Yeah. And I I think that's, that's going to be pretty much always present. Um, We all have to do things that we don't always love. Um, But I do think that if we can find more things that we do enjoy, it makes those things that we don't love much more tolerable. Um, Mm -hmm. And so if someone enjoys crossfit or they enjoy yoga or they enjoy some other type of exercise i want them to do that as often as possible right like Mm -hmm. because being physically active is the goal um and then why they come see me we can work on that specifically but overall i think if you can find the things that you enjoy doing um or with eating, if you enjoy a certain type of food, I want you to eat that maybe in a smaller portion, but like, I don't want you to give up something that you love for what you consider pain and misery. Right. Um, Right. Right. So, yeah. So find something that resonates with you on your own from your core and stick with it. Yeah. You know, and sometimes it might be experimentation to find that thing. You know, maybe it's a spin class, maybe it's a running, maybe it's who knows what it is, but Mm -hmm. It's find something that really, you know, keeps you moving. Yep. So I want to touch on it briefly. Physical change, you know, the mental aspect is, is pretty important. You know, we've been mm. discussing that, but you know, in a nutshell, what do you think physical, physical change comes down to, you know, if you really want to do this? Um, um, I think just what it comes down to is going and doing, um, <laughs> which sounds, but I've always been, <laughs> I, I've honestly always been, you know, amazed. You're like, look, three to four times a week, yeah, do some strength training. You know, you don't have to destroy yourself every time mm-hmm. you can have a good workout without, you know, falling to the ground, eat lean meats, fruits and vegetables. Yep. And that's it. I, I cut down on alcohol. I, that's basically the summation of it. Um, I think, two to three workouts minimum of strength training. And by strength training, I don't mean just working out with weights, but something where you're actually trying to get somewhat stronger and large multi, multi, uh, joint movements. So that'd be a squat, a deadlift. Um, these are just examples. You could do other things, lunges, um, split squats for lower body, chest press, um, pushups, pull-ups, stuff like that for the upper body, um, rows, I think that should be a foundation of 
keeping the muscle that you have and trying to improve in that in some way, shape or form, whether that be increasing the weights that you're using or doing more reps or doing more rounds of each exercise um, or doing the same amount of work in less time. So that's four separate ways that you can try to consistently get better. Um, And that's the goal with that. And then two to three days of just being active, whether that be walking a lot or like gardening, dancing, um, going for a run, riding your bike, doing something active, snowboarding, skiing, right? Like all those count. Um, And I think if you can combine that or any other thing that you enjoy doing, um, that's the foundation of the physical exercise. Um, And then from there, it's the eating. The eating is a a serving. Learning what a serving is is huge uh, for carbs or protein. Uh, but I mean, heck, I did it today. I actually just like made the decision. I'm like, I'm just not going to stuff myself. I'm going to eat a reasonable amount of food. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Learning and and there's so many different methods out there that the what I'm saying are the principles, right? Like, um, so it's two servings of protein at every meal, two servings of vegetables, and a serving of single ingredient carbs. If you can do that with the eating, cut down on alcohol, limited to four drinks a week, get seven to nine hours of sleep per night, you're 90% there. <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I've always been curious then, you know, because on the surface, it seems so straightforward. You know, why do so many people start and fail? Yeah. Uh, because they have preferences and they have lives that, so in this country, a snack, almost anything is all carbs and fat. There's no right. protein in it. Um, if you work in an office, where what do people bring in? It's office snacks, which are like desserts that they made that they don't want to keep in their house. Yep. Um, so, and those snack. So meals can be good, but if if you're constantly snacking on things that are bad, um, when you go out to drink, two to four four drinks a week may not sound like a lot, but if you go out for a meeting and have two drinks, and then on the weekend you have four, and then you had a glass of wine dinner this night, you're already up to seven, eight glasses. Right, right. Um, and then serving sizes tend to be a lot more. So again, learning what a serving is, uh, but people think a serving of rice is like this when it's, yeah, exactly. it's two exactly. handfuls when it's like a super small amount. Um, right. So I think, I think a lot of that is just not knowing how much they're actually consuming or yeah, research is pretty clear that we tend to underestimate how many calories we eat and we overestimate how many calories we burn. So Right, right. So anything else that we didn't cover today that you think is really worth bringing up? Not that I know of. Do you have any other questions? <laughs> I will always have more questions. <laughs> I will always have more questions. I have asked John everything and uh, he is an extremely uh, well-trained and very knowledgeable guy about all kinds of aspects of, of health. Um, in fact, you know, my rudimentary questions always elicit really complex answers because he's able to actually give me those complex answers. Um, he knows the, the science and the studies backwards and forwards. So uh, in conclusion, John, listen, thank you for being here today. Thanks for having me. I'm really grateful that you, uh, you've joined me on the second <laughs> of my uh, Personal Transformations podcasts. So where can people find you? 
on the internet, on social media? If you're in Hoboken, uh, personal training website is hobokenfitness.com. Um, but overall, the Dow of John, so the T-A-O of John.com. Uh, and that's is, John with an H. Yes. <laughs> I've, uh, I've always enjoyed reading uh, that particular uh, blog. It's actually a lot more than a blog. And, and John is very generous with his knowledge. So um, I highly encourage anyone to, to check out what he's doing. Thanks for having me. Thank you.